This is episode 24 with Marissa Viola. Welcome to The Athletic Mindset. I'm your host, Corey Camp, former Division I swimmer turned personal trainer and coach. Each week, it is my goal to bring you a unique story of an elite athlete's mindset to help you unlock and discover your life's potential. Today, I had the chance to sit down with former Division I soccer player and collegiate strength coach, Marissa. Now, Coach Viola is the Associate Director of Performance and Education for Play. Through both her experience as a player and now coach, Marissa has a great insight on what it takes to get peak performance out of her athletes. She's an industry leader and has a great mindset on what roles a coach should play. So without further ado, please welcome on Marissa. Marissa, welcome. How are you doing? I'm good. (laughs) Great to be here. happy that I'm just right down the road. <laughs> yeah, thanks for taking the time to stop on in, especially on a Monday. Uh, don't want to take up too much of your time here. Can you give these people just a background on your journey in soccer? When did you start and what was the point where you realized Division One was pretty much an option for you? Uh, yeah, so I grew up in a town on the east end of Long Island where soccer was life. You literally were kicking a soccer ball coming out of your mother's womb, and it's kind of a joke, and I'm not the only person that would probably talk about it like that but uh soccer was everything I my high school did not have football um yeah so and when I say soccer is everything like soccer was homecoming so the boys and girls varsity teams uh the big time floats for the homecoming parade it was the soccer teams and everybody would follow the parade to back to campus and it would be the boys and girls soccer games and so uh the community around it was just Mm. unbelievable uh you know I can't say that I experienced it anywhere else I was always in the same place but Mm -hmm. um just a support that we had and it was the thing to do it was the thing to watch and so I had an older cousin who played division two softball and believe it or not I wanted to be a collegiate softball player uh I was just as big in softball as I was in soccer I played soccer for more of my life but Mm -hmm. so I loved playing softball it was just there was just a little bit more of a grit about it um and basically I started doing visits uh to go to college I guess I guess honestly my cousin inspired me and I was you know I thought well I want to be her when I grow up you know Mm -hmm. she was a gym teacher she's played softball in college she was a collegiate athlete and you know here I am you know hindsight's always crystal clear right I'm I'm my background's strength and conditioning coach and I played division one athletics so um (laughs) you know she was 12 years older than me and I guess she was the first person that really made it uh, a thing Mm -hmm. in my mind right so I knew it was possible. I knew that there was a way to achieve it. So I think it was maybe, you know, when you're in, when you play uh, at a younger age, you go to these ID tournaments, right? Mm-hmm. And you play and, you know, there's recruits there and stuff like that. And I guess when I first started getting those calls, or really my dad started getting those calls, uh, I think that's when I realized, okay, maybe I need to go out and look at some of these places. So him and I went on a bunch of visits and I would meet with the softball and the soccer coach. Um, at these schools because at that point I thought I could do both I wanted to do both Um, and it really wasn't until I got a call from Stony Brook University and they wanted me to come and do a visit and uh, you know Long Island was my last resort I really wanted to play softball you know Mm -hmm. but uh, you know I think God has its way of putting you in the right track and so just kind of listen to that and um, so it was a combination our our uh, I know I'm jumping around but 
in high school, we had a very successful soccer team. We made mm -hmm. it to the state final four all four years. I played nine through 12, so, uh, and I was a goalkeeper. So we were very successful. Uh, I had played with the girls on the varsity teams like my whole life. Mm -hmm. We all grew up in the same town. We all played within one or two travel teams together. So we had this group of girls that had known each other, known each other's style of play, known each other's tendencies since day one. So being, uh, I was actually recruited out of high school. Mm -hmm. And I think that's an ode to the community that we built around the team, the type of team we were, the success that we had. Um, and I actually, the coaches from Stony Brook recruited me from my high school games. Um, that's awesome. So yeah, very different, uh, <laughs> yeah. not normal. Uh, I didn't play on some big time travel team, you know, yeah. softball, I played on a big time travel team, uh, but soccer, it was, uh, right out of, right out of high school, um, that I got the attention. So it's got to feel good. Yeah. No, <laughs> you no, don't for have to sure. Go that extra, that <laughs> extra step. Um, and you also had a chance to play semi-pro at the same time. Mm -hmm. How was that juggling? The two. Um, so it, it initially sparked from my head coach in college. Uh, she encouraged all of us girls to go and play travel mm -hmm. in the summertime. If we weren't going to be near the university, go and play travel, get touches on the ball, stay in game shape. Yeah. You know, it, it's the usual stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly it's yeah, the usual yeah. stuff. We're supposed to continue to play the sport year round. So she goes, hey, listen, there's a semi-pro team. Um, just go out. Let them know that you want to be a practice player. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, so I took her word for it. And obviously you kind of have a chip on your shoulder, right? You, you have your head coach, you're, you know, you're the starting goalkeeper and you have your head coach saying, oh yeah, just go be a practice player. Yeah. Well, just like everybody else, I had to try out even just to be a practice player. Mm -hmm. Well, I ended up making the A team just because yeah. of my work ethic and, yeah. you know, uh, not, not uh, having any will to give up. And so I kind of made that impact on that first practice and they brought me onto the team and at the time there wasn't a professional league for women okay. so the uh i actually forgot what the league was called but we had a, at that point we had a mixture of professional women mm -hmm. um and as young as you know 18 year old college players on our teams yeah. and i mean you're talking about an age range from 18 to like 32 33 year olds and you know i was a baby i was one yeah. of those 18 year olds 19 year olds and um you know, it was incredible. Learned so much. I got professional training by a guy that played over in Germany. So when it came to being in game shape and really refining my skills and learning new things about how to demand or command from the back, um, mm -hmm. I learned so much, but it was, it was tough. I had to, you know, growing up in the East and Long Island, I had to drive at least an hour and a half to two hours of practice. I was working, yeah. you know, um, some summers I would take summer classes just to, you know, be up on my credits and, you know, it was a lot. I was working a full-time job. I was playing semi-pro soccer and, um, you know, August came around and I was spent. So as much as it was an amazing experience, it was also left a little bit of a bittersweet mm -hmm. taste in my mouth. I feel like I, mean, I have that conversation with friends all the time uh, now, ones that are still swimming or ones that are out and it's like, you can only I feel like push yourself to that capacity mm -hmm. for so long until you're like, okay, yeah, step back. I don't love this game anymore. Was that kind of what happened? Uh, so I mean, yes, to an extent. I mean, uh, it was really that third season mm -hmm. with the semi-pro team, and I was going into my senior year. Okay. 
And again, remember, I was a big softball player. I was yeah. always used to playing different sports. I mean, I was involved with, I played basketball in high school. I did the school play. Like, I did, you know, yeah. different productions. I was in the band, believe it or not. I'm such a nerd. But, like, <laughs> I was used to doing all these other yeah. things. And then all of a sudden, soccer was everything. Mm -hmm. And I struggled with that. And so, you know, I went into my third season with my semi-pro team and um, I realized how political it was. That mm -hmm. was the first year where it clicked for me. And I did not have the best experience. Uh, I was that type of girl where I made it to every single practice, made it to every single game. And mm -hmm. It wasn't about not being a starter mm -hmm. because I got that in college, but it was more about you know, why I wasn't a starter. Mm -hmm. um, and that's where I, the politics were exposed. Yeah. And so it just became this thing where it, that chip on my shoulder started becoming a little bit more of a sour chip mm -hmm. than a let me prove you wrong chip. Um, and so I opened up my senior season and I let it affect my play. I let mm -hmm. it affect my mentality. Um, and my coaches didn't know how to handle me. They didn't know what to say. Nothing that they could say would, you know, make me happier, yeah. change the way that I played. And, you know, I was kind of, I, there was a couple times where I backlashed in practice and, you know, I all of a sudden had this emotional eruption because I knew it wasn't me. Mm -hmm. I knew that's not who I was. So, I mean, it was great. It was a great experience, but, um, you know, it, I almost, you know, I thought it was the right thing to do to continue it. I'm not yeah. a quitter, but I realized how it affected my senior season. Yeah. And so it was unfortunate, a little bittersweet, but I mean, listen, we have to go through these things to, yeah. you know, Looking learn. back on it, knowing what you know now, would you have either, would you change anything or would you approach it differently? Um, I think the only thing, I mean... Looking back on it, I probably would have asked for help. Mm -hmm. um, my goalkeeping coach was actually a sports psychologist. That's okay. what he studied. So, <laughs> and we practiced all of these different, uh, you know, cues and words and mm -hmm. uh, coping mechanisms and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I think I wish I realized that I needed help. And I, it probably would have been solved by just talking to somebody. Mm -hmm. um, and because, you know, going into senior season, I was the senior captain, you know, yeah. I was that star goalkeeper that I can't, I was coming off of a, you know, goal, goalkeeper of the year award as a mm -hmm. junior, you know, had these unbelievable seasons and, you know, it was yeah. a lot of pressure. And so I wish I had a chance of just saying, hey, listen, I need to talk. Like, this is where my headspace is. Mm -hmm. I need to, I know where I need to get it, but I need help with it. So... I feel like that's always a challenge, especially mm -hmm. when you have that early success mm -hmm. in college or any accolades. You start getting that, and you and we talked about it off uh, the record of ego getting in the way. It's mm -hmm. kind of like, okay, you feel this way, yeah. And now something's not going right, but like your ego and your pride's kind of too big to be like, well, I'm not gonna go right seek out maybe some things that other people might do. Yeah, and I think like sports psychology plays such a massive role in mm -hmm. athletics and um, just the education about it and the willingness to share and knowing that, you know, there are other athletes that are going through exactly what you're going through and yeah. sometimes it sometimes, you know, you're afraid to talk to the coach cuz you mm -hmm. think, all right, playing time or maybe they look at me differently or yeah. maybe I'm not the leader and like you talk about that ego, right? And mm -hmm. you know, it's about I always talk about ego being the e card, putting it in your back pocket and forgetting about it. Yeah. Um 
but turning to maybe an athletic trainer or a mm-hmm. strength coach or someone else that is a coach that gets what you're going through. And yeah. again, it's just about talking to somebody. I think the first and foremost being coaches now, mm-hmm. the first thing you should establish with your athletes is trust and having that environment. And Absolutely. when that's lacking, um, and it can be overwhelming, especially at those higher levels of, mm-hmm. you know, you start playing for these well-respected coaches, but because they're so well-respected and they have their own egos, it's like, do I approach them with my problem? They probably don't care about my problem Yeah. as much as, like, you think they should or, mm-hmm. or do. Um, do you have, as a coach now, any kind of way you would change that? Um. Well, I think it's... I think it's an ode to the great coaches and an ode to the not so great coaches, right? Because, you know, I did like my goalkeeping coach. I mean, he did sit me down Mm -hmm. and he's like, okay, we need to rehash some things. But, um, I think I was craving also like support from the team as well. And, you know, when you're a leader and when you're in those leadership roles, you do have to separate yourself a little bit. Mm -hmm. So I think I was lacking that connection as well. Um, and so I think, and I, I, I talk about the not so great coaches is that, you know, yeah. hindsight, those coaches made me learn more about myself and what makes things work for me. And so, you know, as a coach now, my biggest thing with athletes is, you know, establishing that trust, establishing, you know, being honest with one another. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's amazing when you let your athletes know like hey listen I've been through this too Mm -hmm. you know and relating them relating to them straight up like no bells and whistles no beating around the bush like tell them straight up something that you dealt with detail for detail and all of a sudden their guard goes down you know instead of just always preaching kind of get down to their level Um, and that's something that I definitely have learned and I've grown into in my career and having that open door policy and saying, Hey, listen, I know something's not right. Just come and talk to me. Let's Mm -hmm. talk it out. Like, let's go for a walk, you know? And, and, and if you act vulnerable as a coach, your athletes are going to be vulnerable with you. And I think that's, it's such a huge key that not everybody uses. That's what I found in my college days, like my favorite coach, like my direct yeah, I guess I was distance. So okay. like my distance group coach, my first two years was awesome. He knew how to play to each individual in the group of like 15 kids. Yeah. He knew what I needed versus what this guy needed, that guy needed. But I liked the most was like, we would do stuff like get out swims and practice morning practice, mm-hmm. like six, like five thirty practice. None of us really want to be there right, all the exactly. time. Exactly. Like... And he'd be like, all right, like so-and-so Corey does this time. I'm taking the group to IHOP or to mm-hmm. the ba- we're getting bagels after Yeah, it's this. a different motivation. And you're like, okay, I'll throw down. And yeah. <laughs> we'll, <laughs> we'll get out of here. It doesn't matter that it's six in the morning. Right. Like, I'm going to put my best foot forward. But just kind of that, in the moment, it was like, oh, this is awesome getting food. Yeah. <laughs> now, like, looking back on it on the coaching side of things, it was like, oh, there is a purpose behind each and every one of those ploys of yeah do this get this yeah um it i think it's got, went into the culture yeah the whole thing right and i think it's an it's uh i think it's huge when coaches uh have direct applications mm-hmm. and they say okay you know if it's women's soccer you know it's this is the last 15 minutes of the game yeah like it's zero zero what are you gonna do to get that goal in you know 
okay, you got that mindset? You know how you feel? All right, let's apply that right now. Let's go crush the circuit. Mm-hmm. You know, like, let's let's chalk it up as a win at the end of it. Let's not leave anything out there. You know, it's a last 15 minutes, you know? So yeah. I think sometimes when you, when you apply those direct applications to yeah. what they're doing, or for you in that situation, I mean, it was that in the extrinsic motivation. Yeah. Um, well, there's that. I mean, he was good at both things. I've told the story on here before of there was one day where he knew, like, who kind of, like, clicked. And, mm-hmm. like, if you put me head-to-head against one guy, you were going to get a way different result from both of us than if you were to put me head-to-head with someone else. Someone else, yeah. Like, I cared a little bit more because I was racing the kid that I grew up with from my club team. Yeah. And, like, now we're you to school together and uh-huh. we're best friends, but we hate losing to each other yeah and he did the whole set and he put up on a whiteboard tallies he put mm. like your name on one side teammates name on the other and would tally up who won each rep wow um kind of thing so like extrinsic but also yeah um all that it hits you definitely uh and you talk kind of sort of open door policy team culture mm-hmm. uh, do you think that's kind of a key component of the winning team culture and how would you kind of cultivate that yeah who you work with now um i've worked with in the past yeah it i think it all comes down with that the the first meeting mm-hmm. right um you know how these how i always refer to them as kids because they they're all always mm-hmm. be younger than me but um it's that uh first initial impression that you're giving to the team mm-hmm. or the athletes and you know, you're establishing, I think it's so important to establish yourself as a higher disciplined coach because mm-hmm. you can always let off the gas. If you come out as this calm, cool, collective coach, yeah. eventually you're going to get walked on. And so that was an approach that I took with a lot of my teams is, you know, I come out and I'm like, you're not going to get get away with anything. Mm-hmm. I expect you to dress the same, look like a team, act like a team. Like, if you're dealing with something that day, if you have to physically smack the door to, quote, unquote, leave it at the door, mm-hmm. you know, come in, you know. And, and it was about, hey, listen, and this is something I talked about all my first meetings is, listen, yeah, I'm a coach, too, but I'm a different practice. Mm-hmm. So whatever happens at practice, your teacher, they're a different coach. Whatever happens in class, your personal life, that's a different playing field. Like, yeah. whatever happens there... Don't bring that in. Like, you get a clean slate. So Mm -hmm. if you're having a crappy day or you're dealing with some drama or you failed a class or whatever the case is, like, you get to start fresh with me. Like, you get a clean slate. So it's your choice. Do you want to put your best foot forward or do you want to drag it in and wallow in your, you know, you know, your, your, your emotions? And so... um, But then I tell them right away, hey, listen, but if you got to talk about something... Yeah. Bring we'll your about it. Yeah, bring bring your baggage in. <laughs> yeah. But let's do it after. Yeah. You know, or let's clear it up before. But that's you making that time. Yeah. Um, and that's where that open door policy then kind of, you know, mm-hmm. goes into is hey, listen, I'm here for you. But when it's time to work, it's time to work. Yeah. You know, we can talk about everything that's going on in your life outside of this session. But when it's this session, like you gotta be here for yourself first, you gotta be here for your teammate second, and I'll be there for you. You know yeah two things is first one i always liked the, the visual like for swimming i had to change into a bathing suit obviously like i wasn't walking around campus right that. but like kind of just that physical change i'm changing reset like yeah. from 
these clothes into a, a suit and getting into the pool, mm-hmm. it was like reset, didn't matter mm-hmm. what exams I had, how I did on them, right? what was going on personally. Uh, and the other thing was I always loved why I gravitated towards swimming was just literally the calmness of you're just staring at a black line basically mm-hmm. on the bottom of the pool for two hours. It might sound super boring to some people, but to me, it was like the perfect escape from right that life mm-hmm. in here. Yeah. And uh, a lot of people don't <laughs> grasp that <laughs> just yet or haven't grasped that yet, but hopefully they can. Yeah, no, and it, it's to- it's about, you know, it, that's what sports are about. It's like, mm-hmm. how can you, how can you get into that? like that other zone, mm-hmm. you know, or, or some people refer to it as their alter, alter ego, yeah. you know, and it's about how, and it's a mental thing, right? You go back to the mentality of it. Uh, you know, how can you change it? How can you, you know, make it different so that you hone in on that, you know, yeah. consistency or, you know, every time you swing your arms, you know, whatever the case is. And, you know, it's so important. Um, and if you're able, especially as a coach, if you're able to, you know, create that picture in that athlete's mind mm. of, hey, this is a new place. You just walked into a new room. The door yeah. is closed behind you. Outside world's cut off. You know, you don't yeah. do cell phones. Like, everybody looks the same. They dress the same. You know, all of a sudden you're establishing where, you know, it's it's an a actual visual. Yeah, the yeah. different environment. Um, and, I mean, I, I've, I'd like to think, and, I'm, I mean, if I've, I've had former athletes that have also told me, like, hey, lifting was one of my favorite things because mm. it was that removal of yeah. real life you know they were able to completely yeah. separate themselves it's another removal from the actual sport they're doing without a doubt too, i mean i always stress comes from that i always oh. refer to strength coaches being the fun aunts and uncles yeah. <laughs> because <laughs> like the head coaches are like your moms and dads and then yeah. you come to the strength coach and we're sometimes the crazy ones but in the good way yeah and we're the ones that are like you know we're gonna rally you up and like yeah you know really hone in on what's affecting you where you know, sometimes I think sport coaches, they have this prerogative, you know, it's that win-loss column for a strength yeah. coach. Yeah, you have some sports that win-loss columns are everything, but yeah. you get to be that coach where... Helps them get PRs. Yeah, exactly. Do, like, everything. It's it's different. It's definitely different. That's why I refer to it as, like, the fun aunt and uncles. Yeah. Were there any things that you did, and you talked on, like, cues and sayings and stuff, was there anything that you did personally as a player, and then is there anything now that you do with your athletes to help them kind of lock in and Mm -hmm. and get ready to go um so I definitely had an interesting upbringing where fitness was a big part of my Uh life um through my mom and uh so being in the weight room setting and working out and stuff like that it was very natural to me Mm -hmm. um and even though I was a gamer and I loved just being out on the competition surface I understood kind of what it took and how important the outside stuff mattered mm-hmm. uh so as an athlete I mean I thrived in the weight room I'm I'm naturally like a very quick fast athlete and mm-hmm. the weight room I mean my numbers skyrocketed my first year and I paid attention to them but it's because I was convinced that was gonna make me a better athlete and I don't know if it was my strength coach who's now one of my biggest mentors but mm-hmm. Uh, he made me very comfortable. Uh, he made it where, you know, it, I had a lot of successes in the weight room. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, t- like whether it was timing and, you know, he honestly, he was just really caring. Yeah. Like he just gave a crap about, you know, my <laughs> mindset and what I was going through. Yeah. And I think just right off the bat, 
you know, I was able to walk into his office and talk to him about nutrition. Like we didn't have nutritionists back then. Like we just had the strength coach, you know, we had the athletic trainer or the strength coach. And luckily I had the same strength coach for four years, but I had a different athletic trainer every single year. So it was really tough for me to really connect to the athletic trainers, but the strength coach, I mean, he was just so unbelievably caring and, um, he was the type of coach where I went through a ton of injuries, like soft tissue stuff, just because I never really trained like that before. Mm-hmm. And he would push me through my injury. He would be like, okay, well, maybe you have a right hamstring strain, but guess what? You have three other limbs. Let's work those, you know? And so yeah. he made it really realistic to still like, Hey, listen, you only got this one thing. Like you got this whole other body that we can get better. And he kind of had that approach. And so that was tremendous, um, you know, as an athlete. And then as a coach, I mean, I talked about that direct application, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, I, every time I coach, you know, it could be a power clean. It could be a squat. It could be a lunge, like whatever it be, the upper body, you know, as simple as like educating women's soccer player, how important it is to, strengthen their upper body Mm -hmm. like oh i'm sorry a 50 50 ball you just touch it with your foot like no you go body to body with a girl like you're going like you're you're smashing another girl at like in the exact same impact as they're impacting you with your shoulder with your hip with your core like your entire body so Mm -hmm. you know educating them on that direct application you know not just leg press and squats yeah (laughs) yeah and so it was you know being able and i i coached I mean, gosh, when I was coaching at Rutgers, I think I coached altogether nine different sports Mm -hmm. over the course of my four years there. So, you know, it was about learning the sport, about the movement qualities, like the movement Mm -hmm. patterns, all that kind of stuff where all it takes is that one, that one direct cue that Mm -hmm. applies to what they're doing on the court, on the field, like in the pool, whatever it was. Mm -hmm. And they're like, oh, wait, she knows what she's talking about. She actually knows what we go through, you know? That's the, I guess that was like the downside of our, some of our strength coaches. I wasn't as fortunate as you. I had three in four years. Yeah, um, that's super and tough. And it was kind of always, swimming was kind of that afterthought sport of, hey, you got like whatever GA is in mm-hmm. for that one or two year masters that they're getting. And yeah. once they're done, okay, you, the get, next you get the next one. <laughs> and it was, unfortunately, they were given like, seven teams at one you know like yeah. they had like just kind of those miscellaneous teams yeah all in that situation and there was somewhere you were like yeah they have never swam before mm-hmm. in their life yeah um, so how am i supposed to take direction from them if they've or never trust them. S- or they've never seen what i do right why am i doing this mm-hmm. versus now being on this side it's like oh well, now I know. Well, I think, but I mean, you make a great point where I think you just challenge GAs and I'll, I'll stand yeah. alongside you. Yeah. I challenge GAs too. Like if you are coaching a sport that you have never done yourself, get yeah. out to practice, go watch them. Cause guess what? You're going to learn about five things just watching that sport, even Better if it's for 15 <laughs> minutes, right? Even if it's for 15 yeah. minutes and guess what? When that athlete sees you, yeah. it's going to make their week. Oh, yeah, that level of trust. Yeah. I look at, like I said, three and four years. The one that was there for two years, he actually came to a handful of, like, home meets. Yeah. And stuff like that, and just that go, that went a long way in the sense of, okay, I trusted him, mm-hmm. and, like, my lifting went through the roof with him. Versus, right. 
with the other two. Well, and my head strength deal. coach too. I mean, he was a, he was the football and the men's lacrosse yeah. coach, and then they ha- he had women's soccer. Like, obviously, yeah. and he was a D one football player, but <laughs> he would come out and do on field stuff with us, yeah. and maybe hang out for a couple minutes afterwards to watch our warm up practice stuff like that. Yeah. When he came out for a game, forget about it. It was like yeah. again. It was like the crazy uncle. Like everybody was yeah. in love with him you were, because you he was psyched because he yeah. Saw and it, it just again it, it it ties in directly to that buy-in yeah. immediately. I'll do that with a lot of people that I work at here with the club mm-hmm. uh, and coach in the summertime is my main like coaching season. Yeah, but a lot of them swim or do other sports like locally at either high schools and middle schools, and I. I try to make it to at least one mm-hmm. of their things that are totally unrelated to stuff here. Yeah. And the times that I do make it, it's like, oh, this is totally worth me going And they want to take a picture with yeah, you, and they can't wait. Psyched. Yeah, <laughs> and they can't wait to, like, tell your parents that you were yeah. there, or, like, even seeing them, the parents, and, like, it's such a massive impact, and if you really want to get in and, like, get the kids to buy in and mm-hmm. really, like, break down those walls, you have to do that. Yeah. Like, to some capacity, like, find a way. Find a way. Like, take something out yeah. of your life to put back into theirs and just watch the impact grow. That whatever hour, two hours that it yeah. might take out of your life, I feel like increases their buy-in at practice time mm-hmm. tenfold, and then... Like it go, all goes back to that trust you've mm-hmm. established that even more, so you reinforced it. Yeah. And now they're like, you can mm-hmm. get so much more done. Oh yeah, I mean, it's, a, it's <laughs> funny. Like all these memories are flooding back, but I kid you not, I one time got up with our rowing team and mm-hmm. I put on. I don't know if I was like really supposed to wear the full body suit, but they yeah. put me in the full body suit, and it's basically <laughs> this massive like flotation device, yeah. and it's this you know you zip up from like it's like a onesie. It has like these these like um, reflecting strips on it like yeah. it's the most ridiculous thing but <laughs> I got up at six o'clock in the morning to be at their 6 30 practice yeah. like showed up again you go back to those early morning practice but yeah. they were psyched and then going forward I mean it was honestly as a coach it was one of the most amazing things yeah. like being out on the river watching the sunrise like you're watching your kids like like do what you do yeah them yeah do. like yeah and it's just this it's this unbelievable feeling and you honestly get this the return that you get as a coach is unbelievable yeah. and then you know all of a sudden they come back into the weight room and you know it, it, it's it, that you, much cooler yeah. also like, <laughs> yeah. you know you've done a lot more yeah totally uh, than on the surface mm-hmm. uh and you touched on coaching teams mostly in the strength conditioning side of stuff it's tough with so many, oftentimes, right. like, a rowing team is usually pretty it's, large. Yes, it is. Um, and most collegiate teams, I feel like, are 20, you know, To plus. 40. <laughs> yeah. How do you reach individuals while still coaching the group as a whole? I think no matter what, there's going to be kids that are, they're just never, mm-hmm. they're never going to crack. You're never going to get them to crack. They're never going to buy in. Um, you know, I'd, I'd be, I would love to know yeah I would love to know like it's just (laughs) because again there's a lot of kids that are gamers and they Mm -hmm. don't they don't want to do with anything outside Mm -hmm. of literally when the whistle blows and so there's going to be kids no matter what um if you can educate them a little bit 
if you can get their teammates to talk to them a little bit mm -hmm. on your behalf, great, cool. Like, but I mean, I think at the end of the day, it's about listening to your athletes yeah. um, and understanding them, uh, paying attention to, you know, it's not about me, it's about them. So they walk in, what's their body language like? You know, uh, something big that I've done in the past where uh, we had these, we had these support staff meetings and it was the athletic trainer, it was the doctor, it was the mm -hmm. academic advisor, it was the head coach, it was the assistant coach. Like, so we would sit in and we just, it was really brief, like two to five minutes on each athlete. But it, it was, it was able to give everybody else an insight on another part of their world. Mm -hmm. um, and so doing that, you were able to learn, you were upskilled on whatever athlete you were in coaching. Yeah. Um, so that definitely helped a lot. Uh, but then again, I really think it has to go back to paying attention to them. What makes them tick? What doesn't mm -hmm. make them tick? You know, are they the in the face? I want you to coach at me and like scream at me because I've legit had athletes tell me that straight up. Yeah. And then I know the athletes that if you do that, they're just gonna, shut they're just, down. yeah, they're gonna like, shut down. I'm gonna leave. For, I have class I forgot about yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they're totally yeah they're not they're just not those athletes and again but uh you know you know there are coaches that really um pinpoint and uh, do meetings with everybody and if you have the time cool do it you know but sometimes it's hard but just talking about you know who who's the biggest who's the person that made the biggest impact in your life you know did you go through anything difficult that defines you like you talked mm -hmm. about that in the beginning um and like what is your ultimate goal in life you know yeah. and just i mean you, there there's a combination um of a lot of different questions you can boil it down to three or five questions and I mean, you could have a meeting with them. I think face-to-face -face does a whole lot better than, like, yeah. giving them a piece of paper to hand, right, like, hand in. Yeah. Right, it back to me. Um, but being able to do that and just kind of understanding how they tick um, mm -hmm. goes such a long way. It just goes so far. Yeah. I mean, like I said earlier, once you know how to, like, cue in on that and mm -hmm. you find that little thing. Yeah. I mean, my coach that one coach was awesome at it because he just knew like all he had to say was like three words and I was like yeah oh my god yeah you're right I'm not losing to this guy or that guy or whatever yeah totally I had a gymnast that um and I still talk to her to this day and mm -hmm. um she'd come in and I knew immediately how her practice went immediately yeah. like she was not even a she, full step through the door on, oh she on wore her it on her body. <laughs> but I could go up to her and whisper in her ear and just let her know, guess what? It's not worth it. Mm -hmm. Give give me everything you got on this set. And that's all it took. Yeah. It was a whisper in the air and be like, listen, I got your back. Yeah. It's okay. not worth it. Let's just get through this. I got you. I got you. And I would just I would just encourage her. And it was so soft. Yeah. It was just so and to this day I still talk to her because we were able she was vulnerable mm -hmm. to allow me to make that connection yeah. with her. And you know you have the athletes like that, and then you have the athletes where you can make fun of them in front of the whole group, and like yeah. they do good at that, you know. So it's you know it's just again it's learning your athletes, cueing in on those things, taking the time. Yeah, <laughs> taking time. Amen. <laughs> yes, take time. Oh, uh, as a side note, I feel like this whole industry is just is trying to transition to this one size fits all. Like, mm -hmm. let me treat you the same as I treat everyone else. Yeah. Quick fix make a quick buck kind of thing but I've taking the time up front 
yeah. that initial consult if you're meeting with a new client or mm -hmm. meeting with a new team, taking the time goal setting with each individual. Yeah, and I goes think goes a long way. Yeah, and I think there's been times too where, you know, we all have we all have our lives. They're they're busy no matter mm -hmm. what. Like they're gonna be busy, yeah. you know, and I know I remember there are a few times where, gosh, I'd be in the facility until like six thirty, seven o'clock at night. I got there at seven o'clock in the morning, like mm -hmm. or even earlier and you know, I'm walking out that door and I just can't wait to get in my car to go home and an athlete stops me, you know? And it's like, <laughs> you gotta, <laughs> you gotta wipe that yeah. face off and you're giving them your undivided attention because yeah. the five minutes that you give them could have made their week. Like you have no, and I think that's a big thing. It's like, you have no idea what other people are going through. And so it's just like, it's just yeah. being a little less selfish. It's actually really funny here last week. I had a older gentleman. I don't work with him directly. He trains with another uh, trainer. But every time, I, he always sees me running around, whether it's, like, bouncing between clients, running to go heat up my lunch real quick to yeah. scarf it down in the office five minutes before the next client. And he's like, how are you always, like, here? And I was like, I just, I fake it well. And, yeah, like, right. <laughs> I got to just, you know, like, because, like, life's good. And I, you need me here. So right, your quality and your experience when you are here is at that level. Without a doubt. And then whatever I'm dealing with, same deal as like with, it's what I learned from practices. Mm -hmm. It checks at the door. Mm, like whatever yeah. goes in to my work day, mm -hmm. whatever personal life, that's out there. Yeah. I'm stressed out about stuff here. It doesn't matter. Right. When I see a client, when I see a team. It's not a therapy session for me. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not venting and telling them that stuff. Without um, a doubt. But you've been a around a ton of different athletes at this point. Yeah. Is there kind of anything that you say goes into like the athletic mindset, the successful mindset of the ones that you've had that have had the most success versus the ones that maybe don't have it? Um, well, I mean, there's definitely that just raw skill level, right? Uh -huh. That just goes into them being really good athletes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I mean, I think the ability to, well, I mean, everything we talked about, like shutting off and mm -hmm. turning it on for that, that skill at hand, the practice, mm -hmm. the competition, um, and those, those athletes that understand Mm -hmm. how important hydration is, how important nutrition is, how important strength and conditioning is, how important like stretching and taking care of your body or the, you know, the rehab part, yeah. you know, I think all of that goes into mindset because you need to make room for that. You gotta, you have to challenge yourself day in and day out. No, I, you know, I do want to just lay on the couch and hang out and watch and like yeah. binge Netflix or I really should go to the athletic training room. And, and stretch and roll, stretch and, and roll, and maybe get a massage yeah. or something like that. Or you know, all my friends like you know we're going to the we're going to the, you know, the commons or whatever, and everybody's smashing down like Chick Fil A fried sandwiches yeah. and all that kind of stuff. It's like all right, how you know? So again, <laughs> all of it is it's that it's that mentality yeah. of it. And I think when people think, uh, you know, sports psych or like the mental part of being an athlete, mm -hmm. it's not just when you're in the game. Like your life is the game, yeah. right? And it's like, how can you, how can you win in your everyday life to better you? For those 
for games that athletic event, whatever, yeah, yeah, or for that practice or for that game. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I don't think I think that's that's the difference. I think that's the difference between the elite athletes and the athletes that are not quite mm-hmm. there. That's pretty much what got me like super into all the stuff in general. Was like, as an athlete, it was, well, we are we only have two hours of practice only. But, you know, like, we only have our set practice time, and so does every other collegiate swimmer, what collegiate soccer player in the country. Like, we're limited NCAA says 20 hours. Exactly. Up to your college or whether or not that's actually 20 hours. (laughs) But hypothetically, we're stuck with the 20 hours. And in the grand scheme of things, we can only work, outwork other people so much in those 20 hours so what other pieces of the puzzle absolutely of recovery of nutrition of mm-hmm. sleep you know sleep <laughs> sleep that doesn't exist as a yeah, right. athlete. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but often overlooked you know yeah. um that's what fascinated me in diving into all this is like how what am, what are these people missing yeah and why but it's is the education it that, yeah. too it's like why are some people and whether it's just some schools are better talking about it and educating than others mm-hmm. or and they make it I think it, it's it's the priority mm-hmm. um, you know some of the best teams in the country have an athlete center model yeah and that athlete center model is that it's all about the athlete so yeah all of the resources are pointing at the athlete. Mm-hmm. And so, again, it's that upskill in all those areas. You know, it's also academics. Like, how yeah. are you balancing stress? Like, the academic advisor should be talking about that. Yeah. You know, it's, 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 <laughs> you know, it's those things like, my yeah. ac- I mean, I had a great academic advisor, but I was so type A that, like, you know, I made my own class schedule. Yeah, you like, could have had almost anyone in that role. Yeah, totally. And, I mean, you know, we had, I had some great people in the academic staff, but, you know, nobody ever talked to me about stress control yeah. and anxiety and all that kind of stuff. You know, I think that plays into it, too, specifically as a collegiate athlete, yeah. you know? Um, I feel like it's t- a collegiate athlete that's definitely more accessible mm-hmm. um, at most, I'd say most Division One level. Yeah. I don't know about um, others, but I feel like high school athletes... It's got to be a little bit more of a challenge. They might have to go out and seek out resources. Without a doubt. Um, a little bit more so than I mean, others, you would think that high school may be a little less stressful when it comes yeah. to actual competition. Isn't, but yeah, isn't totally bought in like as a profession, as a life. Right, yeah, <laughs> like yeah. It's at that next level. Mm-hmm. Um, what would be your main takeaway from either your time in athletics, your time coaching for that next generation of athletes, whether they're middle schoolers, high schoolers, they're looking to come up. What's your, what's one thing you've learned that you would impart on them? Um, I think that obviously the teamwork component. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not about you. You know, like if you want to be successful, you got to get the people around you to be successful. Mm-hmm. And you got to work together to towards that common goal. Um, we had so much success in high school because we were able to put our differences aside and work together. And um, buy in on that. What was that? And buy in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the the pasta parties that we had, yeah. the t-shirt making things, we made each other bracelets. Like, it was all this stupid little stuff that yeah. went such a long way. And I really shouldn't call it stupid because it was actually impactful. <laughs> um, but it the, seems it like seemed, very yeah. little at the time. Yeah, but. yeah. Um, and then, you know, it's hard because you get to the collegiate level and... Um, 
you know, you have all these other factors, you mm. know, it's like, you don't have mom cooking dinner, like, you have to go get dinner, you yeah. know, you, you don't have to, you know, you're balancing, like, these academics where, like, you fail, like, you're out, you yeah. know, like, you don't have a second chance, so, um, but yeah, no, I think it's, I think it's really important that, you know, us as coaches, we strive to create second coaches in the mm. athletes, and so, if athletes can understand that, like, okay, how can I, you know, I, I one of um, uh, one of my closest friends, uh, Adam Fight, who's a professor and longtime coach, uh, he's now at Springfield. Uh, he said, hey, if you wanna if you wanna be treated like an assistant, act like an assistant while you're a GA. You know, if if you wanna mm-hmm. if you wanna be a director, act like a director while you're an assistant. And um, I think the same thing goes as an athlete. Like, if you want to be a successful team, like, act like, you know, a successful team. team. And so that means doing all the right things. That means, you know, linking together and, Mm -hmm. you know, doing things together, getting everybody on the same page. Because I think a lot of times athletes don't realize how much control they have on the team together Mm -hmm. um, than how much they put on the coaches. That is the coach's responsibility. And it's just like, actually, no, it's just as much as the team's responsibility. Um, so I guess that's, I think that'd be the biggest thing that I would I think give back. I super well said. Um, Thank you. <laughs> a, lot to, a lot to decompress there, but definitely. Yeah. Um, all good advice. Now you've moved on from kind of collegiate coaching um, to working mostly with play now. Yeah. What, ex- for those out there, what is play? What do you guys <laughs> do and what's your role with them? Um, so play is a global company Uh, we for the first 10 years of the company uh, focused on athletic performance flooring so all the floor that you see in weight rooms turf fields indoor outdoor basketball courts um, you know we have all these variety um, products that basically make your performance better because Mm -hmm. you know our hashtag is from the ground up you know foundation Mm -hmm. of greatness stuff like that and I think for so many years everybody he talks about you know the racks or the bars or the dumbbells or the you know cardio equipment and it's like all right that's cool and all but are you gonna put the frame of a Ferrari on Honda wheels mm-hmm. you know and it's like no you would never do that no you you want to put the best wheels on your Ferrari so yeah. it's that's kind of where um, where we're at and kind of how we get that message across is that, listen, it's important what's underneath you because what's underneath you is going to, you know, give you that right, um, you know, energy f- reabsorption, yeah. power import, output, all that kind of stuff. So we've been doing that uh, for 10 years. And then just recently we partnered with Rogue. Um, so okay. now, you know, our customers can go through us for any kind of equipment needs and then also Beaver Fit. So Beaver Fit is a, they're called scout lockers and a lot of our military actually uses. Mm-hmm. The scout lockers, they drop them at the base, cross seas, everywhere. Um, and now, you know, they felt like, collegiate and pro athletics is a great uh, market and since we are heavily in that market uh, we also partnered with them to help them out as well Um, so that's kind of the product side of it yeah Um, now play has been on a very strong blazing path the last couple years probably in the last probably three to five years Mm -hmm. where we want to give back to the industry in any way that we can and the biggest way that we've been able to do that is through education opportunities so Mm -hmm. we've been able to link with a ton of collegiate coaches professional coaches high school coaches um to put on these dynamic clinics um Mm -hmm. 
you know, uh, where there's going to be practicals, there's going to be hands-on, there's going to be roundtables discussions, you know, we're going to provide lunch and breakfast and, you know, it's really yeah. just your day of, you know, yeah, you get your CEUs, but you get to hang out with a lot of cool people. Yeah. Um, and we've been able to do that worldwide. Um, we've had clinics in Ireland, England, Australia, um, Canada, as yeah. well as the United States. Um, I've been absolutely blessed to be a part of all of those, yeah. which is super cool. Um, and, you know, through that, my dy- my uh, network has completely exploded. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a big part for play. We also have an app. It's called Play Pro. So, okay. and we made it free in the last couple months. So again, it's it's how can how can we give back to the industry mm-hmm. um, in a really dynamic way? Because yeah, we provide this great product, and it's it's one of the best, if not the best, out there. But how can we just get coaches to talk more to be educated more to you know continue those conversations outside of their staffs and we want to be able to provide that for them i feel like if you can provide that educational like buy-in aspect Mm -hmm. and you're like oh well well, i trust them for this so like when it comes time for the actual product side of stuff that I might need, then it would be like, well, it's a no-brainer. Like, I'm going to just give them a call. Well, that's without a doubt. And I mean, isn't business all about relationships? So, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. And so I think that's something that's amazing that the owner of our company really puts first. It's such Mm -hmm. a priority for him to, um, it's all about creating relationships and creating those aha moments, right, that we naturally have as coaches when we're coaching. And, you know, creating those impactful moments that coaches and athletes are always going to remember remember and so um that's been a goal of the company since day one and i think that's why a lot of people see a lot of coaches gravitating towards our company as now employees Mm -hmm. because that's a way that's a way for us to you know create those relationships outside of sales outside of you know the product like you said so that will naturally come. Well, if, yeah, if I mean, one, <laughs> exactly. <one> right. <laughs> I mean, it's been, it's been pretty good so far. Yeah. It's been working, so. <laughs> well, it sounds like you've had a ton of awesome experience with yeah. the company and just everything since your soccer playing days. What's next for you, and where can everyone listening in keep up with you? I mean, you know, honestly, the first thing is, uh, you know, I get married in May. Um, <laughs> that's, that's pretty important. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's probably my, my next yeah. biggest uh, life event. Um, obviously, I want to have a family one day. And so my uh, fiance is a strength coach as well. He's kind of a big deal. Uh, but, uh, you know, that's just, you know, so we'll have a bunch of little crazy athletes running around hopefully <laughs> one day. But um, no, I mean. I think the biggest thing is like you you've heard it right from my mouth is I love giving back you mm-hmm. know I love um, being able to network and share my network with other people and visiting places and just learning about you know other people's philosophies and training principles and mm-hmm. stuff like that and if I can do that and then interconnect people uh, with maybe other people that they want to meet or places yeah. that they want to go I mean heck how awesome is that you know and it's one of those things where you know, in this industry, it's so much more fulfilling being that giver mm-hmm. um, than being the taker. And I think that yeah. it kind of goes, as, yeah, yeah. it's it's kind of, that's the case in life. I think if you give more, you're going to get more without yeah. even asking for it. And, you know, I've been so blessed to be in a position where I can give back as much as I, as I mm-hmm. have. And, you know, don't get me wrong, like, you know, sales is part of it without a doubt. But I mean, again, you go back to those impactful moments and, you know, you know, yeah. what did we meet two weeks ago, a week and a half ago? Yeah. And here we are, like, having this conversation. So an hour long conversation. Yeah, <laughs> no, but it's cool. And it's yeah. like, you don't really, 
this would have never been the case if I didn't straight up say, hey, take my number. Yeah. You know, like, let's be in contact. I live in, I live less than an hour away. Let's make this happen. Yeah. You know, I'd love to come and talk shop. Yeah. You know, I think if if you have the opportunity to do that, no, not only are you going to grow yourself, but you're going to make this, you're going to make the industry a little bit more, you yeah. know, you know, a hundred percent. I just was enjoyable. I was talking with another guy that has been in the space for a little while, and he was like, I was like, just trying to pick his brain. I was like, any advice for twenty four year old me? Yeah. Uh, or <laughs> you? And I was like, that's me right now. Yeah. And he was like, dude, like cups of coffee. I've had like. <laughs> But like with people, like networking. Oh, okay. With I think just no, met. I'm like, yeah, wait, just you just you just called out the need. entire industry. No, I, we keep fitness industry keeps coffee business going. open for sure. But he was like, I've had more like networking cups of coffee, mm, just mm-hmm. trying to build a relationship and yes. understand what other people do in the past like two years, and that has opened up the world to me. And I mean, I was like, that's huge. Well, I mean, one of the biggest lines that we hear over and over again is who you know is what gets you in the yeah. door. It's what you know that keeps you there, you yeah. know? And so if you can really play on that, you're going to be successful because you're, yeah, networking, but your resources expand. So yeah. now you can comfortably call up. And I think it's one of those things where sometimes we're hesitant on reaching out to people because they don't give off that vibe. Yeah. I challenge people to reach out to those people just to reach out and, and try to make that connection. Yeah. But also those people that, you know, think their shit don't stink, like just like put the E card in the back pocket. Like, you know, who's to say that you're not going to learn something from a 24 year old that walks yeah. into your door too, you know? Um, <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. Well, absolutely. I mean, yeah. it's, it's just one of those things that, again, it goes back to like, you know, you want athlete buy-in, mm-hmm. you got to be vulnerable. Yeah. Like you want to network, you got to be vulnerable, you know? hundred percent. Well, Marissa, thank you for coming on. Where right. can they keep up with you? Life events, wedding, you know, all <laughs> that. Um, uh, social media. Yeah. Like yeah. Um, I'm on social media. Um, my life kind of re- revolves around Instagram, um, okay. at coach M Viola. Um, pretty sure I might keep my last name on there. I'm not too sure. I might just change my name in the profile. Uh, <laughs> haven't made that decision yet. It's hard but when you build a brand around I it. know. <laughs> it's kind of crazy. But, um, and then it's the same on Twitter, but I pretty okay. much, um, if I'm on Twitter, it's more just like reposting, liking yeah. stuff. Instagram is really where I post things. Okay. Um, you know, maybe one day I'll have my own website where everything will be up there. I might do a blog, but you know, right now it's, uh, it's really Instagram and, um, you know, again, reach out if you're in the area for sure. I'd love to come by, talk shop, just hang out, see what you do. Um, but again, be open to it. Awesome. Well, thanks again. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. I hope you all enjoyed that conversation with Marissa. She spoke a lot on the importance of paying it forward and helping the next generation of athletes and coaches. If you haven't done so already, send this episode to a friend, family member, or teammate who could use a boost. Stay up to date with all of our latest episodes by following me on Instagram at Athletic Mindset Podcast. And remember, if you change your mindset and how you think, you'll be able to change your life one thought at a time. I'll see you all next week.